Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. This is Melissa Hunter-Davis, founder of Sugarcane Magazine, and you are with us for This Week in Caribbean Art and Culture. So we have another exciting show, and we could not do this exciting show without the best hostesses in the world, starting with Maria. Hi, everybody. My name is writer, curator. And Susie. Hi, everyone. Suzanne Fredericks here. Susie Wong presents in Jamaica. So we have a special show. Um, this is actually one of the most anticipated museum shows this year for 2023, and we're really excited. Um, so I think it was about maybe a year, year and a half ago, right after the, and I've been told that they still dock you if you say this word, so right around the panoramic, um, I was able to go to an exhibition of contemporary Haitian artwork, but in a corner, mm. I saw some beautiful um, tapestries with beautiful beading. And when I spoke to the curator and, and asked about the work, she mentioned that it's a work of Merlin Constant. And I was absolutely in love because when I was a college student, I had gone to a local museum and seen um, similar tapestries, but it was not her work. So I found it exciting to actually see this and actually to learn the, the background of this artist, which I thought was really fantastic. So we are in for a real treat. Before we get started, if you haven't done so, please make sure to subscribe to our podcast. We have really almost hit our milestone and probably by the time this goes up we will have surpassed it if you haven't subscribed please do be sure to download and share with your colleagues and friends so we have two and two special guests with us today that i can't wait to have a conversation with jerry philogene and katherine smith and I want to introduce Jerry Philogene to you in case you're not familiar with her. Jerry Philogene is an associate professor in the American Studies Department at Dickinson College, where she specializes in interdisciplinary American cultural history, art history, and visual arts of the Caribbean and the African diaspora, with an emphasis on the Francophone Caribbean. Her publications have appeared in peer-reviewed journals and exhibition catalogs. Dr. Philogene is also an independent curator, and along with Catherine Smith, is curating Merlin Constant, the work of Radiance, an exhibition on the contemporary textile works of Haitian artist Merlin Constant for the Fowler Museum, UCLA, which opened this month, March 2023. Dr. Philogene is a recipient of the 2020 Andy Warhol Foundation Art Writers Grant for her book and manuscript, The Socially Dead, An Improbable Citizen, Visualizing Haitian Humanity and Visual Aesthetics. She is also writing a monograph on Haitian modern artist, Luz Tunier. You're Catherine good. Smith received her PhD in Culture and Performance Studies from the UCLA Department of World Arts and Cultures, Dance. She has held fellowships at Brown University in the Departments of Africana Studies and the History of Art and Architecture and at the New York University and the Center for Latin American and Caribbean Studies. She is presently a curatorial and research associate of Haitian arts at the Fowler Museum at UCLA, a lecturer in the UCLA Department of World Arts and Cultures, Dance, and a visiting researcher at the UCLA International Institute. Smith has played a curatorial role in exhibitions of Haitian art at Brown University and UCLA. She publishes regularly in academic journals, edited volumes, and art catalogs on Haitian and Caribbean art and religion. She was currently revising her manuscript on death and religious transformation in urban Haiti. Her latest research focuses on Freemasonry and the Black Atlantic. 
I'm really excited about your research, Catherine. That sounds really exciting. Oh, thank you. Ladies, welcome. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for having us. Thank you. Oh, thank it's it's so exciting to, to be here. You know, uh, Mirlan's work, uh, you know, in Miami and other parts of in New York has had such a great warm welcoming. And recently it opened, uh, she had her first solo show in New York City, which that was, you know, another fantastic moment. She was also part of the Venice Biennale, this past one, The Milk of Dreams. So I was wondering how did this project came about? Well, maybe Catherine might want to want to kind of uh, answer that question because she, <laughs> she, yeah, yeah, so she'll answer that question because she'll tell us how it all came about. <laughs> I mean, I've known Constant for years. I actually first met her in 1999 <clears throat> on my first trip to Haiti, and um, having worked on some other projects and followed how Haitian art is exhibited, um, there just seemed to be this huge lack of like. Haitian artists get known as Haitian artists before they become known as artists or geniuses or anything else, right? So, um, you know, having worked on a couple of group shows of Haitian art, I thought the world does not need any more group art shows, right? They don't allow the kind of like depth of scholarship that a, a real retrospective deserves, right? Um, and it just seemed like, no one had done it yet. Uh, no one had done a retrospective of Constant's now 30 year career. Um, so at some point I was talking to Jerry about this and um, you know, to be honest, like not everyone was excited about the idea. I knocked on a lot of doors and talked to a lot of people, uh, gave a job talk about it that I didn't get the job. <laughs> And Jerry was like, yeah, absolutely. And she was doing this work on uh, death and contemporary art in Haiti from a completely different approach than what I was. Um, but she uh, came on board and um, I've been grateful and also apologizing to her every day since. <laughs> Just like, <laughs> I don't think you signed up for three years of pushing and pushing and pushing. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think, I think, um, I think it's been incredibly well worth it. Uh, so I've known of Milan's work for a very long time. Uh, my dissertation was actually on the Centre d'Or and um, at the Manly, actually, interestingly enough. So it really looked at the ways in which um, a particular kind of narrative about Haitian art began with uh, this white man and also the idea of Jamaican art beginning uh, through this, uh, you know, this British Jamaican woman and also the politics around all of that. So the dissertation has always been, uh, my work has always been questioning uh, canons and questioning stereotypes. So uh, the work that I've always been writing about and, and teaching and doing has always been doing that. So I've known of uh, Milan's work because one of the things that I try to do is really kind of uh, open up the conversation about what Haitian art is, given that I do work on modern and contemporary. So in Catherine, whose work I've admired for a very long time because of its specificity in terms of a deep analysis of the religiosity of some of the works, uh, approached me about, about, um, about you know, participating in this project, but 
wanting to perhaps get uh, the more contemporary version of the conversation, but coupled with her uh, her knowledge of, of religious religiosity, we thought it would be fantastic. And as she said, there has yet to be a kind of deep dive into one singular artist of Haitian descent. And I think that because of uh, Milan's um, uh, length in the kind of work that she's been doing, but also the kind the kind of work that she's doing in terms of what we can imagine as non-traditional um, or unconventional art. I thought she was one of the best people to really help us broaden that concept of, of Haitian art or art produced by uh, folks of the Haitian diaspora. But most importantly, she was a woman. And we know the narrative of Haitian art is very masculinist. It's very mm -hmm. much a masculinist conversation coming out of this, you know, this white man who comes from the U.S. and then all these wonderful things happen as if nothing else was happening before that. But to really uh, reinscribe and place Constant in this conversation for, um, we thought this was really important to do and push the narrative a little bit further. Yeah, I mean, I think there's also a class dynamic that like the work that has been treated seriously tends to be by male artists and either of the diaspora or of the bourgeoisie, right? Um, but I mean, if it's if if it's at, at any at all similar to other contexts in the Caribbean, I'm from Puerto Rico, as some of you may know, um, in Puerto Rico, it's also a very male-driven art scene. Like, you know, there is... Um, there we can call it machismo or we can you know like there there are some 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 um, attitudes and roles that women all over the continent and the region are constantly kind of fighting against and um so so that that yeah I can totally see that I was also wanted to comment on what you said first Catherine about like the constant pushing you know I think that for all of us to do this type of work and even people that do other type of work like it's a normal practice of constantly trying to 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 keep working really hard and believe in yourself and just see that as your north and keep going um i also wanted to say you know for those of us who do not know who she is why is she important and and why should we know more her work and lastly i also want to say that i really enjoy the contemporary uh, perspective because I, I i agree like often artists of specific backgrounds are just um, spoken about in a particular way without people realizing that they're working and, and speaking and creating about today, right? Um, not about the past or not about something romantic about a, uh, a deity or whatnot. Yeah, yeah no, if, if I may, um, Marilyn, I think the point that you made is, is really important. And also I think that Catherine and I were very aware of Yes, there is a kind of masculinist um, presentation about Haitian art, but I also think the way it's been cannot, you know, canonized, if you will, the way it's been written. And I think it was so important for us to do a catalog. It was so important for us to do a catalog because as we all know, as curators, exhibitions happen and then they're done. But to have a catalog and a beautiful catalog at that, um, really then kind of shifts the narrative. So it's what's been written about the work. Um, what's been written about the work. Today I taught a, um, a Raisin in the Sun, Lorraine Hansberry's uh, play, and my students kept talking about Walter Walter. And I said, how about if we actually insert these three women, these three women as really important in the conversation. And Hansberry was a feminist, was a radical feminist. So it shifts the way we think about it. So I think that 
I hope that's what Kath, I think that's what Catherine and I are doing, right? Shifting the way we actually think about what's been written about uh, Haitian art and inserting a, a bold and um, prominent voice like uh, Constance. Yeah, I mean, and I, I come from this as a religious scholar. And for me, it's very important to, on one hand, not leave religion behind, because when you talk to Constant, that is what she talks about. It is at the center of most of her work. But in, on the other hand, to not talk about it in a way that puts it in the past, right? That the way that when you know Constant, she lives it as part of her own contemporary life, right? And so we're not talking about some arcane thing from the past or some distant archetypal deities or something like this, but something that is as much a part of contemporary life as the factories where she grew up working, as uh, the conflict in Port-au-Prince that's happening right now, um, that we see it as part of contemporary art and part of contemporary life. And instead of saying, well, we're not looking at this as religious, we're looking at it as contemporary art, to insist on sort of pushing the boundary of contemporary art to be able to include this worldview, right? And say, no, don't look at this as some arcane folklore. Like look at this as something that is now and here. Well, I think that's what's kind of been interesting for, um, for the work of Marland, from what I know of it, and you know, she has been to Jamaica and I've seen some of the work, yeah, yeah. Um, is the way she breaks the tradition of the practice itself in terms of the, how she uses the beads and also going from a very ceremonial kind of object of a drapo voodoo flag and developing it into more storytelling. And in a, like you say, in a contemporary sense, but I, I know it's very difficult to communicate visuality on it, but verbally, but I mean, is, could you speak to something about her practice that has broken boundaries around the, the traditional practice of voodoo flag making in Haiti? I mean, there's lots to say there, but first, I mean, if it's, if it's difficult to represent her work in a photograph, it's that much more difficult to convey uh, audibly the impact of her work. Um, if you can see a work of hers in person, please do. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know, Jerry, do you wanna comment on the impact of her artwork or the significance of it or? Yeah, well, I mean, I think, uh, you know, you and I have had so many conversations throughout the four years uh, we've been doing this. I think there's a way that she honors the the, the tradition of, of, of Vodou Drapo, honors the tradition of Vodou Drapo in their uh, sacred um, sacredness, but at the same time also couples it, I think, the narrative. So she is, in a way, really kind of telling stories and not simple, not simply just one story, but there are multiple conversations happening. And I think it is in that multiple that she's able to bring so many different voices and different eyes into the space. So we can look at one section of the work, there is a kind of ceremonial happening. We look at another section, there's a gaudy woman dressing and drinking liquor. And then the other, it's more of a, you know, you're in a funeral. So there are a lot of things happening. And over all of that, there's the, God, the eye of God, right? The eye of bon Dieu, who's looking down. So I think that in, in a way, she's continuing that kind of tradition of Vododrapo uh, in honoring ancestors, honoring the loi, but at the same time entering into the, uh, you know, the artistic practice that was also very much of Vodou, of Drapo of, um, Vodou, artistic practice. We may not have realized at the time, but these were artisans who were creating. These were artisans who were creating work. And it is what she's doing now is kind of placing the artisan, placing this tradition 
transition that was to some extent minimalized into a very important part of not only Haitian tradition and Haitian culture, but I would say arts of the African diaspora, right? Arts of the African diaspora. And again, mm -hmm. I think that's her intervention. That's the kind of, um, that she does. That's why I think her work is so, so exciting for us, particularly at this moment in time. Yeah, I mean, I, I everything that Jerry said is <laughs> right. I just, um, my answer is always much more sort of technical. Like she, she brings in basically a smaller aperture, right? So if previously drapeau voodoo were made with sequins, right? Then mm -hmm. she starts using beads that are tiny, right? So it's like painting with a smaller brush, but that opens up this field of representational possibilities that uh, she is still exploring, right? And um, quite naturally then narrative follows, right? And historical narrative. Um, and, and you can see how her intellectual labor sort of evolves over 30 years, the sort of relatively simple works where you see figures together kind of in dialogue to, you know, within some years, elaborate ceremonies, as, Jeremy, as Jerry said, where you see like a real voodoo ceremony, right? You see people laughing and talking and buying drinks the same time you see the gods descend at the same time an animal is being offered um like all of these planes of sacred and secular things are sort of interacting i don't want to say colliding but they're together right mm -hmm. um and so there's this wonderful way in which this technique opens up these possibilities um but she's also really changed the game not just in terms of what the textile arts can be but she's trained all of these apprentices. Yeah. And I would certainly love to see a show yeah. <laughs> focused on the next generation of yeah. artists doing this um, because she brought in people who were then unemployed when the wedding dress factory closed um, and then empowered them to go on and start their own workshops. Mm -hmm. And now apprentices who started under her and learned from her are opening up their own workshops and people who started under those apprentices yeah. and. Yeah. Um, not only did that change the technique and the representational possibilities, but it also changed the gender dynamic mm -hmm. that um, she began hiring women, whereas previously even the textile arts were dominated by men. And she doesn't work exclusively with men by any means, but, um, you know, if you think of some of the biggest artists to textile artists in Haiti now, like uh, Evelyn Alcide, I mean, she's someone who worked for Colsant or Mireille Delise, right? Uh, all of these other wonderful artists started under her. Mm -hmm. And so I was going to ask that question. And if you can expand a little bit more, are, can you give us the names of maybe some of her apprentices that have gone on to open workshops as well? So for those people, like, you know, if you like what you saw at UCLA, here are some other artists that you should explore. Sure. Um, if you like that, check out uh, Rudy Azor, uh, Evelyn Alcide. Amina Simeon, who's passed now. Um, there is an artist named Michel Lafleur who has also passed, who never was quite as famous, but I think his work was really great. Uh, Mireille Delise. Uh, yeah, those are a handful. There are newer artists, I'm sure, um, but yeah. we're not on the ground, so. Right. 
And they're working in, uh, uh, I mean, I would say they're working, Kathleen, let me know what you think. They're working in a similar uh, tradition, but quite differently as well. So, which is interesting. So, so they definitely got the craft from her in terms of the doing, but in terms of the kind of aesthetic, they're also expanding in such exciting ways, which I think is, is really, really important. And there was something that Catherine said that I, I, I wanted just to kind of follow up on is this idea of interacting. And so what we also see in some of her narratives is the kind of symbiotic relationship between the secular and the sacred. So for her and for, um, I would argue, you know, Haitians in general, you know, those things are not, um, they cannot be disassociated. You know, there is a way in which they are connected and, and that's okay. And that's okay. That kind of connectedness is okay and not problematic. You know, that kind of living within death or living with death, that is not something that is so difficult. And we know this particularly for uh, people of the African diaspora. Um, those things are something that folk learn how to live with. And I think she does that incredibly well, but also does that beautifully in an aesthetic fashion. And I think that's really important too. So I just wanted to kind of emphasize that part of interconnectedness because when we talk with her, right, she will ask her these questions and she'll be like, yeah, and like, <laughs> you don't see this? You know, it's so matter of fact, you know, it's so matter of fact. And we're the ones who are like, okay, okay. <laughs> At least I am. I'm like, okay, okay. But it's like so matter of fact for her. And I think that kind of matter of fact, that kind of seamless interconnection is so is so important um, and it shows you a different way of living and a different way of being in the world and that is what I think is also so so powerful in her work you know yeah Jerry you always speak so eloquently about the sort of symbiosis of all these different planes interacting um, no when we were visiting with Constant in January um, she was talking about her struggles to quit smoking, right? Like what an everyday struggle trying to quit smoking. And she was talking about all the different dead people who came to her to tell her to stop smoking. You know? mm -hmm. And um, this was just such a normal conversation, right? Uh, and I think that for a different religious perspective, it would be like, dead people are telling you not to smoke. Like, what are you talking about? But it's like the most natural thing in the world. It's like, well, I have to quit smoking because enough dead people finally came and said, like, stop smoking. <laughs> like, right, right. No, that's, that's a great, that's a great, um, that's a great story. And you're absolutely right. And she did, and she stopped smoking. And she, you know, she stopped smoking. And, and it was just like, wow. So, yeah, so that's a wonderful example of how she kind of, that kind of way in which she lives. Right. So, I wanted to ask, you know, what can people expect from the show and also from the publication? Because I think some of us will see the show, some of us will not and want to get the book. So like, can you guys speak about that, those two uh, moments of this project? Do you want? <laughs> well, I mean, I think that for the show and, um, you know, Catherine, you, you tell me exactly what, you know, you, your thoughts, but I think for the show, it's thematic, right? It's thematic. So what we were able to show, it's a mid-career, it's a mid-career retro. Um, there were some pieces that we were not able to get for a variety of reasons, whether it was because of travel or um, lenders unable to lend. Um, so it's a mid-career that we feel has a really good, gives the audience a really good sense of her oeuvre and the kind of trajectory of that oeuvre, beginning with the smaller pieces that are more still lifes and then larger pieces that are more narrative and um, historical. So 
uh, the audience will be uh, able to get a really good sense of her trajectory as an artist and also see how she has, how her craft has gotten so much tighter and more specific and very, um, very deliberate, very deliberate. That's a word I like to use with her because she's very, very deliberate in choices of composition, of, of color, very, very deliberate. Uh, so I think that the audience will be able to see that. And also in the catalog, then I think the audience will be able to see the ways in which and read the ways in which Catherine and I were very clear on the breadth that we wanted to bring into the cultural analysis of her work. So we have individuals who are engaged in performance, in um, art history, in photography. Um, and we also have Evelyn Trouillot, who is an amazing, amazing um, writer of the Haitian diaspora, of, of Haiti and the Haitian diaspora, who was incredibly generous when we, uh, you know, timidly sent her an invitation to write the preface. And she was like, absolutely. And the preface is, is incredibly beautiful and lyrical and speaks directly to Constant's work. So we hope with both the exhibition, which offers a, a, hopefully an in-depth look at her work, as well as a catalog that opens up different avenues of investigation in her work. So it's not simply art historical, but thinking about culture, thinking about different ways that her works uh, animates cultural production in the, in the Haitian diaspora. Yeah, um, I mean, I hope that the audience in the museum, in the exhibition, I hope they're dazzled there's nothing like an encounter with her work when it's really well lit and like I hope that they're dazzled I mean it's maybe it sounds silly but um it's quite great um you know our former director was really Marla Burns was really kind in saying I think coming out of the pandemic this is really going to be a tonic for the soul right um <clears throat> so I hope that um yeah, I hope it dazzles. And the publication, you know, of course, we were faced from the very start that like you can't reproduce the feeling of being in the presence of one of her works, right? You can't reproduce that light. Um, and so, you know, one of the things we talked about was the power of scale in her work, that like you can get really up close and granular with it and work on it on that level and it's really impressive. And you can also sort of back up and take in the light and it's uh, monumental and dazzling on that level too, right? So we really wanted in some way to convey that. And I think that our book designer, Aunt Amy McFarland, did a really good job of like you getting granular into the works um, and then also sort of scaling back a little bit so that you can really appreciate, you know, the movement of scale and how that, that works magnificently in her work. Um, but yeah, I don't have anything to add in terms of the scholarship. Um, Jerry and I were both uh, wanted just a broad range of perspectives. Um, you know, I study religion um, and I always have appreciated that Jerry will be the counterbalance to that rabbit hole. <laughs> She's mm -hmm. always the one who's like, no contemporary art. Uh, <laughs> Sounds like a good pairing. It, 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 it also really was. sounds like it, this is just the beginning, um, yeah. you know, in terms of like just knowing more about uh, Merlin's work and um, and I'm just very excited about what it opens up and what others will take and 
and create something new with. So congratulations. And I'm just very excited about this. Thank whole you. Process. I mean, I hate to say it, but in some ways I hope that, you know, people find all kinds of things wrong with the catalog and then they go and do their own scholarship. That's even better. Oh, right. 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 Um, I meant that too. I meant yeah. that too. You, know? <laughs> you hope someone does something better. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, no, no, no. I mean, like, I think that, you know, we need more, uh, we need more exhibitions, like solo shows of artists that don't get their due. Yeah. So I think it's great that this is happening now when she's alive versus, you know, when she's 90 right. something, like what happened to um, Carmen Herrera, who's like mm -hmm. 102, I believe, wow. <laughs> when she had her first one. So even though she's not having it when Joseph, um, um, when um, uh, Nauman had his retrospective, which he was in his late 20s, right. Right. of uh, uh she's having you know a decent age so i just think that we need more of that you know so so that's the other part that i find um uh, very exciting because you know a lot of um artists women artists african diaspora artists latino artists we can keep on the list they're they they appear in group shows a lot but to do them like a big solo show that requires a, a lot of commitment um so so that's great yeah, yeah. so yeah no, I think I think you're absolutely right, uh, Maria Elena. But also, one of the things that I, I hope that Catherine and I hope that will happen is, you know, if uh, folks are thinking about other exhibitions where they're thinking about craft and thinking about textile and thinking about, um, you know, beading, Constant is also at the top of the list, and not simply, uh, you know, uh, you know, Haitian American or Haitian this uh, show, but actually thinking about her within a larger context. And even if it's a show that looks at just the African diaspora, her work is included. I mean, in my essay, I talk a little bit about her work in relationship to Care James Marshall, and you know, his use of vivid imagery and um and I think that's very important to, to think about her work in relationship to larger conversations. And I think that's what one of the things that Catherine and I were so adamant in doing. And I remember we would have these conversations um, with the Fowler, but also just saying, you know, it's important that we not anthropologicalize, that's even a word, her work and not present it as if this is something that's, as Catherine said, archaic and in the past. So, and, and, and I think bedazzled was one of the titles we wanted to think about, wasn't it? <laughs> When you said that, I'm like, did we talk about that as a title? We talked about that, right? And then we were discouraged. Yes, I love, I love the title of Radiance. I think oh, that's beautiful. Yes, yes. That's really thank deep you. inside. inside thank you. You know, I think that we, we knew from the beginning that we didn't want this to be like, we didn't want Haiti in the title. We didn't want this to be about like Haitian artist or Haitian art. Like, no, this is about Constant and her work. Mm -hmm. that's right. <laughs> and, and I love that you, that you, that you made that quote and I'm going to put it somewhere and make sure that I, I give you credit for it because I think that's really important that we look at her as she is as an artist, not a Haitian artist, not just as a woman, but as an artist. And she deserves that respect, absolutely. Mm -hmm. And the, I mean, it's a fine line to walk, right? Because like Haiti is incredibly important to her and her identity, but I want, the viewer or the reader to know Haiti through her as a specific part of her life and not as the sort of generalization and not this box that we're putting her in, right? Mm, like, yes. I want you to know what it means to her and not like, oh, she's a Haitian artist, therefore Hector Hippolyte, therefore Edouard Duval Carrier, therefore, you know, like, no, that's not her experience of what it means. That's not the idea of Haiti that she has. So listen to her first. I love it. Ladies, thank you so much. So please give us details on where we can find the exhibition. Okay. 
the exhibition's at the Fowler, UCLA, and it opens up on Saturday, March 25th from seven to nine. Is that correct, Catherine? Uh, it's, uh, our talk will be at 6 p.m. Oh, okay, our talk is at 6 p.m. <laughs> yes, our talk will be at 6 p.m. And then seven, the party starts. That's right, the party. So come for our talk and the party. <laughs> How long does the show run for? How long does the show run for? Oh, um, officially through July 16th. Great. There's whispers that it might be extended longer. Yes. So. Good stuff. So if you are in LA or even if you're not in LA and you want to fly over, please do. Ladies, I already mentioned to you before, everyone is excited about this exhibition. I'm in Miami. It is the talk everyone is talking about. Um, uh, knock on wood, wherever it is, we all want to see it come to Miami. So like that. So hopefully we can make that happen. Thank you so much for joining us. Um, where can we find you online? Um, well, you can, I teach at Dickinson College uh, in American Studies and Africana Studies. So that's, you can just type in Jerry Philogene Dickinson College. <laughs> oh, I also wanted to say the catalog is available for purchase. You can order it on Amazon. Um, so that's, it's a beautiful catalog. And um, yeah, so you can order it on cat, on Amazon, but it's also going to be available at the Fowler. So yeah. Yeah. You yes, can also email the Fowler if you, if you don't want to support Amazon, but I mean, which is, <laughs> I, buy, I buy stuff there all the time, so I'm not yes. telling you what to do. I'm just saying you can buy the Fowler too. And um, I have seen it on Amazon. It is there and it's waiting for you. Today yeah. it is for $7, <laughs> but that's today. That's today's price. Yeah. Melissa, I'm sorry. I have no social media hash like handles or hashtags to give you. I think Jerry and I are both too old school for that. That's okay. So ladies and gents, when you go, hopefully you will go to the art talk at 6 PM and you can give them a hearty hello. Tell them Sugarcane sent you before we leave. Thank you so much for joining us. This was a great talk. I'm really excited. Maria, where can we find you online? You can find me on the gram at Contemporary Chica. And Susie, where can we find you? Um, IG at Susie Wong Presents. And you can always find us at sugarcanemag.com or you can visit our Instagram page, Sugarcane Magazine. Please be sure to subscribe, download, and listen. Actually, you should listen first, then subscribe, then download. We've got a whole thing going on for next year. We're going to get it and we're going to be like big time number one move Joe Budden out the way. Okay, <laughs> guys, thank you so much for your time. This was thank a you. great conversation. We look forward to seeing the show soon. Thank you Yay, for inviting hey, us. Drop thank a line you. when you come to town. Yes, absolutely. Thank you. Okay. So, thank, thank you, guys. You. Thank you so Bye. much. Thank Say you so bye. much. Bye.